Are you a nurse or midwife and you're interested in migrating to Australia? Well, you are number one on the skilled shortage list. So your talents are absolutely needed here and there's plenty of opportunities. Your experience is needed across the nation. So there's a huge range of roles, competitive wages and world standard professional development. So much more. So with that in mind, let's not forget you're going to need a skills assessment before you can migrate permanently to Australia. So today I'm privileged to have a guest who can explain just that, the nitty gritty of how to get your skills assessed and enjoy a life in Australia. Hi, I'm Rhea Favole, CEO and founder of Solvy Migration, providing simple solutions for Australian migration. If you want to work, study, or even just vacay in Australia, and you've come to the right place for expert tips on how to stop the confusion and choose the right pathway for a holiday, student visa, or permanent residency in Australia. Join me on Making Australian Migration Easy. As we say in Australia, no worries, mate. Hey there. Welcome to the 17th episode of Making Australian Migration Easy. I'm Rhea Favole, the CEO and founder of Solvi Migration and a former Australian immigration official. Today, I'm going to talk about how you can ultimately migrate to Australia as a nurse or midwife. In this episode, I'm going to interview someone who has the key, which will be a skills assessment, all about those processes. So you understand what it takes not only to get registered, but then to have your skills recognized in order to be able to migrate to Australia ultimately. And of course, for our valued listeners, as a thank you, towards the end, there'll be a little bonus. So please sit back, relax, and let me and my special guest explain what we have in store for you in Australia. In the last episode, I discussed the new aged care labour agreement, and I covered off on a range of topics, including what is the new aged care labour agreement, how someone can migrate under this agreement, and how can aged care businesses utilise the agreement get workers from overseas. This week, I want to talk to you about the registration and skills assessment requirements for nurses and midwives to work and ultimately migrate to Australia. And we have a special guest and they're actually the director from ANMAC and we'll get into who ANMAC are. And they're going to talk about regarding uh, midwives and nurses coming to Australia who needs a skills assessment, what the requirements are to work as a midwife or nurse in Australia, how you apply for the skills assessment, the types of assessments, uh, English language requirements, as well as some of the common mistakes that they see with these applications. They talk a little bit about advice coming to Australia and also what's in store in terms of the future for the registration processes. Today, there's a collaboration between Solving Migration and ANMAX, the Skills Assessing Authority for Nurses and Midwives. We're going to be interviewing Catherine Baird, who is discussing the required processes for international and non-resident nursing and midwifery students and graduates in order to ultimately migrate to Australia. In this episode, we will broadly explore the migration processes, how the ANMAX Skills Assessment can help facilitate your movement through this process and how you obtain registration with APRA's Nursing and Midwifery Board of Australia as that very first step. So we'll be going into questions about what the role of ANMAC is, who needs a skills assessment by ANMAC, what the requirements are to work in Australia as a nurse or midwife, how you can apply to have your skills assessed with them, the types of assessments that people require, English uh, language tests as well for migration requirements, and what are some of the common mistakes 
that people make in these processes and then a bit of a, a future gaze into what's to come for registration of nurses and midwives in Australia. Catherine Baird is an experienced leader. She's worked in healthcare and she has skills in building teams. Uh, she addresses performance and thinking critically to optimise the outputs in the healthcare profession. She has over 20 years of clinical nursing experience and a passion for seeing people thrive in their work environment. Kath is known as a natural leader. She has a strong presence and no-nonsense demeanour, which we get to enjoy in this interview today. She completed a Bachelor of Nursing Science at the University of Canberra and more recently completed an Executive MBA at the Australian Graduate School of Management, which is at the University of New South Wales. Kath joined ANMAC, that's the Australian Nursing and Midwifery Accreditation Council, in 2014, and she worked both as a senior assessor and a manager of skilled migration services. She was appointed to the role of director of assessment services last year, and she has clinical management and education experience, which suit her current role. Kath's experience enables her to provide strong leadership and advocacy in assessment of internationally qualified nurses and midwives for the purposes of skilled migration. She's committed to the design and implementation of quality and efficient processes and to the benefit of Australians' nursing and midwifery profession. Once you've decided on a visa pathway, it's going to be time to apply. And that's where myself and my team can help. There's extensive documentation, educational credentials, work experience, language proficiency, but I don't want you to be discouraged. That's what the Solvi Migration team can assist you with. So the Department of Home Affairs website does provide information and guidelines for each visa application. Uh, and of course, what I'm going to say though, as a trained immigration professional, is that you should be using an immigration lawyer or migration agent, because what we see all too often is people trying to do it themselves and they may make a mistake and it's a critical mistake that means the application is refused. And unfortunately, visa application fees are non-refundable, which means you can spend thousands of dollars just trying it on your own rather than for such an important decision to migrate to Australia, taking professional assistance and, you know, particularly working with professionals. We have professional indemnity insurance, which means you've got a path of recourse. If you're relying on someone who doesn't have the correct qualifications and experience, you're really putting a big chance on something that is a very important decision. So for that reason, we always recommend that you seek professional assistance for the application process. Thanks so much, Kath. Um, as I've just given everyone an introduction, uh, if there's anything else that you would like to say uh, as a bit of an introduction, I guess, explaining what is the role of ANMAC uh, for nurses and midwives wanting to migrate to Australia. Sure, absolutely, Raya. Um, so we, and Matt, the Australian Nursing Midwifery Accreditation Council, have been uh, the skills assessing authority for the Australian government since the mid-1990s. So our role in this is provide, I suppose, to provide government with the assurance that um, overseas-born nurses and midwives who are choosing Australia to migrate, um, have the skills and qualifications that they need uh, to, I suppose, work safely and competently uh, in the profession um, with the ultimate goal of protecting the um, safety of the public. Very important. Very, very important. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, and I guess the next question in the context of people who listen to this podcast is making Australian migration easy. Um, who would need a skills assessment by ANMAC? 
Yep. So touched on that overseas born. So if it's migration you're after, uh, you would need to, and this is something we aren't able to give advice on as um, specific visa types. So you would need to determine if the, your, the visa you're applying for requires a skills assessment. So um, we would advise all potential applicants to ensure that they do require a skills assessment as part of their migration, uh, the visa that they're applying for. Uh, so we would refer them to the Department of Home Affairs just to make sure uh, they need they actually need a skills assessment before they make, but before they apply online and pay. Um, obviously, we see lots of applicants who are going through uh, permanent residency applications. Um, often it's about their partners uh, needing extra points for their visas. So we do know skills assessments for nurses and midwives do uh, contribute to that points test. Um, yeah, so it's about really determining with the Department of Home Affairs first and foremost that the skills assessment is part of their requirement, their individual requirement. Yeah, absolutely. I think probably for the listeners, a good example of where I see people not needing it, they sort of, they come, they register with APRA, but if they're here on a working holiday visa, they have the work right. So they're able to do that. But then it comes to that point where they decide, actually, I'd like to migrate to Australia. That's the time when the skills need to be assessed. Yes. And we don't actually... And Mac have never been in the business of um, gathering that information, so we don't actually know what the uh, backstory is of applicants in terms of what what visa pathway they're going to pursue. Um, that is something we're considering taking on. Home Affairs have started to ask kind of more questions around that, but because we've always had this, um, I suppose, advice from Home Affairs is don't give that specific advice. That's our role. Uh, we haven't done it, but I do think there might be some value in um, in just having that knowledge anyway. Yeah, it's it's a difficult line to tread. I know because uh, you know, as I talk to our listeners, I work for the Department of Home Affairs for twelve years. So, you know, from their perspective, advice should only be given by qualified migration agents or immigration lawyers. But then people need to have a general understanding of what it is that they're applying for, and that's when they're speaking to you and and, yeah. and your team. So that would be helpful. Um, the next, uh, I guess, question everyone wants to know is what are the actual requirements. So I know we talked a little bit about APRA and maybe ANMAC, but the, the requirements for uh, nurses and midwives to uh, consider in, in coming and working in Australia. So the very first thing um, I suppose that if anybody's going to get anything from this is in order to practice as a nurse or midwife in Australia, you must be registered with the Nursing and Midwifery Board of Australia. So that essentially, that's the first hoop you need to jump through. So that is not ANMAC. So that we are two completely different separate organisations. Um, the NMBA is a government organisation where they will process your application for registration. Um, once again, I'm, I don't work for the Nursing Library Board of Australia, so I can't give that advice in terms of what is required. Um, they do have lots of comprehensive information on their website. Um, they have three different streams for registration. So it would be about, say, for example, if you're from the UK, what's your qualification and do you fit into stream A, B or C? Um, for example, if you've got a bachelor degree, I'm pretty sure that means you'd fit into stream A, uh, which would mean it's a fairly straightforward registration process with the NMBA. Once again, don't work for the NMBA. Um, we just know that this is certainly something that we, um, these are questions that we feel quite often um, via, you know, via our online um, comms and our phone, our call centre. So, NMBA, first step, get your registration sorted. 
And Mac has, I think this might be one of the questions raised. I'm just going to kind of kind of give an overall picture of um, the skills assessment process. There are three different skills assessments um, that relate to the nursing and midwifery uh, professions for, um, at ANMAC. The first one being the modified skills assessment. That is if you hold registration in Australia. So if you've already been through that process with the NMBA, you can come to ANMAC for a migration skills assessment. The second one is the modified plus skills assessment. That's for nurses who have applied for registration with the NMBA and have reached a point where they've received correspondence from them confirming that they're eligible for registration. So they have a letter in essence saying you meet the requirements. However, all we need to do now is meet you in person. So you can apply for a skills assessment with that information on on hand. The third one's the full skills assessment um, application and it is for nurses and midwives who are based in the UK, Canada, the US, Hong Kong or Ireland with a minimum bachelor degree. You can apply for a skills assessment directly with ANMAC because we know that your minimum qualification meets that requirement for registration. So if you are based offshore, so you're living in the UK or Ireland and you've got your bachelor degree and you've decided Australia is what you want to do, um, you, where, where you want to be um, and it's not just a working holiday visa you can apply to ANMAC for a skills assessment and get that migration ball kind of rolling because um, we know that that process can take can take some time mm-hmm. lots of back and forth with documents I know that's it's, something it's, that it's, certainly yes. I know there is there is an attempt to tr- kind of try and streamline the process um, we I believe we don't there's not a lot of duplication between the registration and the migration side of things. We don't ask for information that's already been received. Um, so quite simply, we ask for proof of qualification if you've got work experience and you're planning on claiming points um, in the migrate in your visa application, then you would submit a professional reference. We want to know you are who you say you are, so proof of ID is important. And professional registration verification, depending on uh, which application you apply for, um, that um, requirement, yeah, depends on whether or not you're in you're in Australia and you're submitting work experience from overseas or not. Mm. I think with that process, the only thing I've found with clients that is a good tip is that they get a copy of their certificate of good standing or equivalent themselves directly, because I know APRA doesn't have a tendency to necessarily share it. Uh, with ANMAC when it comes to the yes. <laughs> uh, look, over the years, I've tried to encourage the sharing of data, uh, the sharing of documents rather, mm-hmm. and uh, I think we're getting somewhere. But at the moment, no, the process is we need to receive that directly. That's obviously to ensure we're not receiving, you know, dodgy documents, non-genuine um, information. But um, yeah, that's a fairly standard. We used to make it mandatory. So for all countries where you were registered overseas, we would ask for registration verification, but it's actually not relevant unless you're providing uh, that professional reference that, you know, claiming work experience in your application. Mm, absolutely. Well, thank you for that clarification. That even It even simplifies it in my head and also to share with my team uh, when we're sort of working through those documents for our clients. Um, and the next question I was going to ask about the different types, but we've already gone through that. Uh, a common question that I get for people in terms of the migration skills assessment is whether or not they'll need to have an English language test. And if so, what kind of test? Yes, 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 yes. So uh, the third application type that I talked about before, the full skills assessment, that's for applicants from one of those five countries. Um, they do need to provide an English language test. Uh, we accept uh, IELTS academic, 
OET for nurses, TOEFL and Pearson. So uh, the test scores, obviously across four different tests, there's lots of different scores. Um, the standard IELTS 7 academic, that's the requirement there. Um, I do know that there is uh, chatter out there that they are going to reduce the writing component for IELTS to 6.5. Uh, that's based on data that's been gathered over, over a period of time and that seems to be where people fall down. Um, so that requirement is there for those full skills assessments. Uh, we will verify test results. Um, we do accept two test sittings within a six-month period. So if you've fallen down in, say, for example, reading in one of the, in one of the tests, you can resit that same test within six months to achieve that score, the relevant score, and we will we will um, accept those results. I've recently. Um, been in conversation with the IELTS and we will consider now the one skill retake, uh, which is gives the applicant an opportunity if they um, fall down in the, for example, writing side in an IELTS test, they have 60 days to do, to resit that component. So the writing component and get, um, achieve the seven, for example, um, and we will accept that one skill retake score as well. So it's about we are trying to make it easier for uh, the applicants because we do know um, the English language test can be a hurdle for quite a few uh, applicants. Um, and ideally with home affairs wait times reducing um, and our wait times reducing, the three-year validity that I'm pretty sure home affairs have on their English skills, English language tests. Is it three years? I'm pretty sure it's three years. Yeah, for, for most of them. I think the PTE can be a little bit shorter. Depending yeah, on the right. yeah. Um, yeah, so we're kind of trying to make sure we align as much as possible um, and hopefully it all falls within that, within that three-year period. Oh, that's amazing. That's really good and it'll be good to share with people. I guess the only thing that I would caution for people listening to this from a migration perspective is sometimes we actually need those higher scores to get you enough points for migration. So that will be something just to, to be aware of. For, the, for those people listening. Um, and I guess one of those things you would know from your side is some of the common mistakes you might see people make with their applications. Do you have some tips on where you'll see? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, look, we just, uh, common mistakes, make sure you need the skills assessment before you apply. Um, there's nothing worse than you having to kind of come back to a tail, tail between your legs and saying, um, I actually applied and paid money. Uh, can I have a refund, please? So we've actually had to put our foot down a little bit because we think this is happening, or well, this is happening far, yeah, this is happen happening quite often. Um, so we are starting to, uh, uh, well, we provide the refunds, but we are now charging an administration fee. In terms of application mistakes, application type, so if you're not sure about the type of assessment you're eligible for, flick us an email before you submit your application. But it's pretty straightforward. If you are living in Australia and you have registration, modified skills assessment is your application. If you're offshore and you don't have registration, you're applying for a full skills assessment. So it's about getting that application type right and understanding um, what it is you require, what information you're required to provide, um, understand what our privacy policy means, understand what our verification processes um, look like. So we will make uh, we will verify all claims of paid work experience, both in Australia and overseas. Um, often the reason applicants are found unsuitable for the purposes of skilled migration is because they've submitted non-genuine documentation. So uh, taking shortcuts by not perhaps asking their nursing supervisor for a professional reference and uh, creating the document themselves. Um, 
which, you know, it's disappointing. Obviously, like I said right at the beginning, we are here to ultimately protect uh, the public. And if you're falsifying information in, in, in an application that raises a few red flags, perhaps about um, your tendency in clinical practice, that sounds really harsh to say out loud, but it is our job and we do take it very seriously. So the verification of all claims. Um, also, we will contact universities and, co- and course providers to ensure that claims of uh, graduation, et cetera, are legitimate. Um, mistakes are... In terms of, they're not really big mistakes, but um, detail in the application form. So country of birth, um, a lot of people put Australia. Um, That's, you know, if you can ideally get that right. We obviously cross-check and reference all of that when we're doing our assessment. Um, Understanding ANSCO codes. Um, There's a lot of confusion around what is an ANSCO code and how does it relate? Why is it relevant? Why do I need to worry about an ANSCO code? Um, you don't necessarily need to worry about an ANSCO code. If you're being sponsored, um, your, you know, the conditions of your sponsorship will um, specify and nominate an ANSCO code. So it's about understanding that, um, you know, this information, it is important and it is relevant and it's great if you can understand it too um, because it will make the overall process um, that little bit um, more seamless. Um, we have recently published on our YouTube channel um, what is an ANSCO? It doesn't go, it just goes for a couple of minutes and it kind of details um, what it is and how it fits in the broader in the broader picture. Oh, that's fantastic. I might um, get you to send through a link and I'll drop yeah, that in the show notes for people and they'll be able to check that out for themselves. I might actually say um, just this morning I've signed off um, on a video uh, that's also going to be on our YouTube channel. I'll just send you to the, the link to the YouTube channel on how to make an application. So it steps through the application process. Um, so, and we're going to roll that out in a number of different languages as well, which um, so that's pretty helpful. Found useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, and I guess kind of we've, we've gone on to the advice for, you know, moving to Australia, working as a nurse a little bit through that process, but you would know in your profession, a lot of the times I have to direct people to go and register with New Zealand in order to be able to come here. Yes. Is that the way things are always going to be or do you foreshadow there'll be some changes coming? Yeah, you know, it's my understanding there are changes. There are changes coming um, and it will be uh, it will be easier to obtain registration in Australia. Um, obviously, once again, I'm not the NMBA, um, and they've got a couple of things out for consultation at the moment that does suggest some changes and improvements in the uh, in the registration process and also in the eligibility criteria for registration in Australia. Um, so yes, I, I obviously can't you know give you a timeline or anything like that, but you know hopefully in the future we'll see some really positive change for you know the applicants who are the registered nurses and midwives who ultimately want to. Um, migrate to Australia and, um, you know, call Australia home, having to kind of go via New Zealand um, just seems a little bit crazy, not just for the applicant, but also for New Zealand who perhaps don't reap the reap the benefit of registering all these nurses. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, it's good to know that it's actually, you know, that it's on the radar. It, it it's on, definitely on the radar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well, I didn't have any more formal questions for you today, but I guess, do you have any last guiding words or anything you'd like to share with people who are considering coming to Australia and migrating? Oh, place to be, isn't it? I mean, I um, 
I'm in chilly Canberra. Raya is not. She's up where the sun shines more and it's warmer. Um, you know, it's a fabulous country. The um, the the landscape, the opportunity for nursing um, and midwifery here in Australia is quite is quite amazing. Obviously, there's staff shortages everywhere, but um, you know, in terms of just the way we live our life down here in Australia, I think it's. Um, I'm obviously biased because I've lived here all my life, but I have been overseas. Um, I have worked overseas in the UK. Um, I did love it there. It was a many, many, many years ago. Um, but look, Australia is wonderful. If you have any questions at all, I cannot emphasize this enough. My team are online, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Standard Life, AEST, whatever that stands for. Oh, yeah. um, they are online and are up to taking the call, your call for any questions whatsoever. Um, and they're all there. They're all, we don't really have much of a wait time when people call, like I'm talking a couple of minutes. Um, but also flick us an email and we'll respond um, fairly promptly. We're here to help you. We kind of want to make your process uh, migrating, you know, as smoothly as possible. So, yeah, come on down. Amazing. Well, thank you so much again for coming and being a, a guest speaker on Making Australian Migration Easy. Really appreciate your time and in kind of demystifying that process that I know for a lot of people they get this overwhelming oh my gosh what do I have to get through in order to migrate so it's lovely to have it broken down yeah. by someone in your position and explaining you know here to help <laughs> yep. fabulous no worries at all all right thank you so much so in this episode we talked about our wonderful collaboration with Anmac skills director Kath Baird she discussed the required processes for international and non-resident nursing and midwifery students and graduates and professionals to migrate to Australia this podcast uh, broadly explored the migration processes, how the ANMAC skills assessment can facilitate the movement through that process, and how to actually obtain your registration through APRA's Nursing and Midwifery Board of Australia. That's the first essential step. The questions that we covered off today were what the role of ANMAC is for nurses and midwives in Australia who need a skills assessment with them, what are the requirements for a nurse or midwife to come and work in Australia, how you apply to have your skills assessed by ANMAC, the types of assessment and which one you require, English language requirements, some of the common mistakes that people make with these applications, and of course, where to next, uh, a bit of a future gazing and how registration processes may be changing in the future. So the team and I are delighted to use all of the knowledge that we've gained, for me, 20 years in the Australian government to give you comprehensive legal advice and assistance to navigate all of these processes successfully, taking out the stress for you. So if there's anything that I've talked about today that might impact you and your migration plans to Australia, then please do book a consultation and get some sound advice. You can do that by going to our website, that's www.solvemigration.com.au. And as a bonus for listening in, we are offering $50 off for those who are coming from this show and booking those consultations. All you need to do is quote 50 off, that's 50OFF, when you are booking. That website address again is solvi, that's S-O-L-V-I, migration.com.au. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I hope this has been useful for all of those amazing registered nurses and midwives out there in the world ready to come to Australia. Please do like, subscribe and share. And of course, hop in the comments if there's anything else that you'd like me to cover off in future episodes. We look forward to seeing you the next time around. 
on Making Australian Migration Easy. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Making Australian Migration Easy with me, your host, Rhea Favole. If you're ready to get started on your pathway to Australia, you can book a consultation on our website, solvimigration.com.au. That's solvimigration.com.au. If you've enjoyed the show and have learned a thing or two, please share, rate and review our podcast. Your feedback means the world to us as we try and let more people know the best way to study and work in Australia in a way that sets them up for long-term success. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you later.